Amen. That was awesome. I love that song. And uh, what a message that carries. First of all, I want to thank everybody for praying for me and my wife, as or my wife and I, praying for me. I don't know, I, I got it all mixed up now. I'm, I, I get nervous when Brother Omni's here because then I have to be on my best grammar behavior. And I'm not good at that. I'm kind of like preacher in that regard, so I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, if I butcher something, you can correct me afterwards. Okay, we'll, we'll work with that. Okay, but uh, thank you for praying for my wife and I as we were down in Arizona last week. Uh, I did have the privilege to preach down there. Uh, a friend of ours passed away. Uh, he was, um, their, the memorial for that is today at 2 o'clock, but he was in an accident, car accident, back in 1989 um, and was paralyzed from the neck down. Um, he did sometime later manage to get movement in one hand so he could he could work a power chair, and uh, he could move his head a little bit, but most of his spine was fused together, and uh, he was, uh, his family got saved while we were down in Arizona, and I was the youth pastor down there, and uh, he, he just struggled in and out uh, with many things, but got saved, and, and then came to our pastor, and he said, I, I want to get baptized, because that's, that's the first thing I should do after I get saved. Well, we were looking at, we didn't know how to, uh, we, we could carry him up into the baptistry, but then there's the what happens if we drop him or something like that. And so we struggled with how are we going to help uh, Barry get baptized. And so uh, it was a memory on Facebook actually just a couple weeks ago. Uh, it was shortly after uh, Easter Sunday. Um, he, a group of guys and the pastor and a small group from the church, we made a special service out at their house. We put him in a, a regular wheelchair and uh, uh, myself, uh, Jonathan Skeen, who's a missionary over in Ukraine, and Derek Allen, his, his um, son-in-law, who looks a lot like Preacher. <laughs> it's, just, it's the weirdest thing. He looks a lot like Preacher. But anyhow, we carried his wheelchair down into the water, and we got him to just his head was sticking up, and then Pastor Hughes uh, gave a little uh, short little sermon, and then and then we baptized him, and he just kind of pushed his head under the water, and we pulled him back up, but he was able to get baptized, and just seeing him glow and how he could say that he was, he was saved, he's been baptized, he was a member of the church, and he, just the joy that he had. I never saw him uh, frown. He had a lot to frown about. He had a lot to be, uh, many would say, oh, you have the right to be cranky, and there were times that I heard about, but uh, I remember... Um, i tell you this quick story, but they were going to a Diamondbacks game, Barry and Derek, and uh, he was just cruising along on his scooter, going down the road, and, uh, and he, looked at, he looked at Derek, kind of tilted his head and said, buy me one of those shirts, and pointed over with his finger and then kept buzzing down the sidewalk. So Barry turned, or not Barry, Derek is buying a t-shirt, and he turns just to see that he was going into the road, <laughs> and there wasn't the drop down, and it wasn't a ramped sidewalk, so it was a drop, in, and so he just full speed ahead into the road and goes flying off his wheelchair, like just um, the way Derek said it looked like kind of this, he kind of like left the wheelchair, his arms went up like this, and he, he said it looked like Superman trying to take off, but he hit the ground and he broke both legs, and uh, and. Derek's trying to pick him up and put him back in the wheelchair. 
But the first thing he said was, Derek got over and he picks him up and he goes, well, that doesn't look good. And they look down at his leg and the legs turned around and, and he's, that's okay, we'll deal with it after, let's get to the game. <laughs> he couldn't feel anything. And uh, so <laughs> he said, just pick me up, put me back in the chair, we'll go to the baseball game. And Derek's, no, you have a broken leg. We need to go to the doctor. Well, he got all upset that he couldn't go to the ball game uh, and, and that he had to go to the doctors instead. Next to the doctors, they said, we got good news and bad news. He goes, okay, what's the good news? Good news is you don't feel anything. <laughs> bad news is you broke both legs. <laughs> and so, but he was still bitter that he couldn't go to the baseball game. But, uh, but still had this outlook, on, uh, just happy all the time and uh, a great guy. Uh, it learned and grew a lot in the short time that I was able to know him. Uh, the memorials today, we went down last week because I didn't get, so uh, you guys get my words about him, I guess, so I'll be calling them later. But, but uh, we had the privilege of going down there, and I preached Sunday night, and sure enough, Pastor Hughes asked me right afterwards, he says, you want to come down and be the assistant pastor? And I said, no, I think, I think this is where God would have me to be, plus I got to preach on Sunday, so, so we're here. All right, so you have your Bibles, let's open up to Galatians, Galatians chapter 5. We're going to read through the whole chapter, but not all at once. Uh, we're going to start in verse 1. We're going to read through the whole chapter in a little bit, but we're going to read down to verse 9 to start with. I'll give you a minute to get there. Galatians chapter 5. I preached down in Arizona. I preached on spiritual famine. Uh, they have a food bank at their church. And uh, so they help many, many people that come to the church. And so I preached on spiritual famine and how uh, the lack of God can bring destruction and poverty and ruin into our lives. But through God's grace, we can know blessing. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to, the, to do the whole law. Christ is become of no effect unto you. Uh, whosoever you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Let's pray. Our gracious Lord and Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the privilege, the opportunity to stand up here, to stand behind this pulpit, to preach the words that you've laid on my heart. And I pray that, you, that nothing be said out of uh, my own pride or vain glory, Lord, but that you would speak through me, that you would use me, that you would uh, continue to speak to my heart as we go forward. But Lord, that this would be a blessing and an encouragement. And Lord, that you would help us to see what we need to do going forward to be Christians uh, worthy of the name. I pray that you would just uh, bless this time in your son's holy and precious name. Amen. That song that Autumn spoke about or sang about just a couple minutes ago, Broken and Spilled Out, that's a wonderful song. Uh, that ties in so well with what we're 
uh, going to be talking about. That first verse says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. You see, the liberty that we have in Christ comes through the salvation that we can obtain because Christ died on the cross, broke his body, and shed his blood freely for our sins. Without that, we're dead in trespasses and sin. We're still under the bondage of our sin. We're under the bondage of wickedness. We're stuck in our sinful nature, and there is no hope for us if Christ didn't come. And what a wonderful truth that is. And uh, we're to stand fast in the liberty. That, that term, stand fast, that's uh, most often used in the military. That's a military term, to stand fast, to stand your ground, to hold, hold the line. Uh, I like it uh, in Matthew chapter 16 when uh, Christ is talking to, Matt, or to Peter and he says that the, that, the, uh, that the church was founded on the truth that he's the son of God and the gates of hell would not prevail against the church. Okay? And so the, the, the concept there is not that the church is to, uh, to, to just stand fast, to stand in place, but to be on the attack, to be on the offensive, that we're to be out into the world, that we're to preach the gospel, that we're to reach every creature. And so we shouldn't just stand still and to hold our ground, but we should advance. Uh, General Patton would say, advance, advance, advance. Never dig in, never retreat, always press the attack. It's not our job to hunker down and just wait till Jesus comes to hold on till the rapture comes. It's our, our duty as a Christian to move forward, to move the cause of Christ forward every single day with every breath that we take. That is what it is to live in liberty, to live in the freedom that Christ has given to us. Christ has done so much for me. I, I grew up in this church. I, I, remember, I remember being a little, little rug rat back in the, in the back. And uh, How many remember the carpet tiles we had back there? Yeah. I remember there was, uh, there was a group of us. We would run down that back hallway, and when you got to the back section, they weren't glued down anymore. And we thought it'd be so fun. You stop on those tiles and, and watch them fly and go everywhere and, and, uh, and, and see who could, you know, who could ride it out the whole way to the back door and smack into that back door and you'd hear the thud. I remember uh, just so many times people didn't know that and they would be kind of hustling down the hallway and they'd go to stop. Well, they'd stop, but the carpet tiles didn't. And so they'd go and uh, I remember one time I was back there. We were a group of teenagers uh, just goofing off and talking. Uh, Vanessa Ayers was there, and she, uh, she did this little hop thing and stepped on one of those, and she fell. Uh, just how many times we fell and hit our heads on the floor uh, back there? You know, and, and, and every time, I think Mrs. Omley would be there and tell us, stop running, stop running, you know, and, and, and we'd, we weren't the best listeners. But I grew up in this church, I ran around and I was in the nursery. I went through all the Sunday school classes. I, you know, and I, and I was a royal terror to some, and some said I was a good kid. But, but all through that, I remember every Sunday I'd come and I'd get preached the gospel, and I'd listen to it day after day after day after day, not fully understanding what it meant to have liberty, to have that freedom that Christ brings in my life because I wasn't saved. And then I remember uh, Bobby Gall, my good friend Bobby Gall, got, came up to me one day. He said, hey, buddy, I got saved. And I'm like, well, awesome. And I had this mindset of anything you can do, 
I can do better. <laughs> and so I, I, uh, I, was, I went to my dad, and he, he uh, showed me through the Bible how I could be saved, and, and I, I prayed that Christ would receive me from my sins, but it wasn't out of a heart that I needed to be forgiven of my sins or that I was in the wrong. It was just because if Bobby can do it, so can I. Because I can do it better. I don't know if you're following this, but if that's my mindset, I'm totally in the wrong place here. Because <laughs> salvation has nothing to do with me, but everything to do with Christ. And so I went, and I, I went on through the Sunday school classes up into the youth group. We were at uh, senior camp. It's one of my first years, senior camp, very early on, 2003. And I remember it was, it was July 23rd, 2003. Uh, I can tell you the, the pastor preached, or the pastor, the, the speaker preached on hell. And how hell is a terrible place and how it's not, it was never meant for mankind. It was meant for the devil, his angels, uh, his minions, all those. And it wasn't something that God created for us. But when we turned our back on God in sin, it became the final destination, the only place that we could, that that sin could be put away, because God can't, can't have that, and so I, he was preaching on hell, and, and, and it, it hit me, like, I've been doing this all, uh, and, and God had been working in my heart, and I thought, I've been living this whole life, uh, and, and I'm one of the quote-unquote leaders, I was one of the younger ones, but I was a faithful Christian, I was, but I was, uh, what, what I think, Pastor Reno said it the other day, I was a drug baby. I was drugged to church every Sunday, every Wednesday. If the doors were open, my mom and dad brought me, and I'm very grateful for that. I had, I had a wonderful privilege, a wonderful opportunity that my parents cared enough about me that they brought me, even when I didn't want to go. I said, I don't want to go to church today. My mom would say, suck it up, we're going. <laughs> Get dressed, we're going. Um. I remember that preacher preaching on hell, and I knew, I knew that I was a sinner. I had known for a long time that I wasn't right with God, but I was scared, and I was nervous. What would people think of me? What, what, what would this do? How would people look at me? They'd know I've been living a lie, and I was scared to death. They got to the invitation, and I stood up, and I grabbed onto the chairs in front of me so I wouldn't walk, so I wouldn't go forward grabbed onto those chairs as hard as I could. If I had gone, I would have taken two people up to the altar with me because they were sitting down in their chairs. I've just been dragging like, oh, I guess we're going to go get right with God too. Um, but I didn't go. I didn't want it. I struggled. I fought. I said, I don't need this. But when the, when the, when the final amen was said and we were dismissed, I was the first one out of that auditorium. And I ran back to my cabin. I ran so fast, I was scared a bear was going to come out of the woods and eat me. And I was going to go, I was going to die without the hope of eternity. Oh, I was terrified. And what did I do? I went to my cabin, I opened up my Bible, and I went to all the verses that I had memorized, that I had known about how I could know Christ as my Savior. And I read them over and over and over. And I, and I just, something's not clicking. What do I do? What, what do I need how do I fix this? And I just, I, I was at my wit's end and I prayed. I said, God, I need help. I don't know what to do. And I said, I need you to make it 
super clear to me. I need you to help me out. I need, send somebody my way. Literally, Lord, have somebody ask me if I need to be saved today and let them show me the way because I am just so confused. I can't figure this out. And I finally worked up the courage to walk out of that cabin. And I made my way back to the group where everybody was and I looking this way and looking that way, scared of bears. I don't know if there's any bears in that area. <laughs> scared of the wild junior campers that might come out and attack me. I don't know. Uh, but I, was, I just made my way up and kind of just hanging out with everybody. And Brother Proper came up to me. And as a joke, as a joke, he came up and said, put his big old hand on me. Shane, do you need to get saved? And I looked at him and said, yeah, I do. Can you help me? And after he, he stood there for about 20 seconds, I don't know, it seemed like an eternity, just kind of looking at me like, I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> but he, he, he took me inside and he opened up, and it was then it clicked that it really has nothing to do with me and everything to do with God. There is nothing I could do to fix my situation, but Christ did everything that was needed already. And I was lifted from that bondage of wickedness and sin when I asked Christ to save me from my sins. I repented from my wickedness. I turned to God and said, it's not me. There's nothing I can do. Shane Goodman is a dirty, rotten little sinner. I'm horrible. So many times I turn from God or I, I try to go the opposite way or I do whatever I want and God still loves me enough that he sent his son to die on the cross for me. And I realized it's not me, it's God. It's all God. And I, came out, I came out of that building knowing for sure that my eternal destiny had changed. I had gone from death unto life and that Christ had saved me. I learned that I should stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made me free. Not me. God did all the work. I was just standing there saying, thank you, Lord, for what you've done for me. And so we're to stand fast in the liberty. When, when, when the devil attacks us, when his minions are after us, when everything's going wrong, when things are going astray, we're to stand fast. We're to hold our ground. We're to press forward. If you look at it in the, uh, when you're on a ship, you're to stand fast. You're to hold your ground so that those waves don't come up and knock you into the sea and you, you lose your grip and you fall out and you lose your way. To stand fast in the liberty. I mean, what a powerful verse to start off a chapter. I mean, Paul never holds back any punches and I appreciate that. But we're to stand fast. The first point, I have for you, and, and we're going to move right along. We're going to work our way through the whole chapter. But the issue of bondage, the issue of bondage, our bondage is rooted in our sin. We struggle, we slip, we fall, we constantly will turn around uh, talking about the nation of Israel this morning in Sunday school. All the time, they would live for God, they would do right, and then they would turn and they would go the opposite direction. And pastors and or the prophets would come and they would preach and they would say, hey, don't do this. God's warning you. God's going to send his judgment. And they wouldn't listen. And the church of Galatia, like many other churches, they got saved. 
and they would, they, would, they would repent and they would turn to God and they would uh, oftentimes, many of them turning away from, from what the, the law had taught them, not that everything in the law was imperfect, but they had now seen what Christ had done for them, that he was the finishing of the law. He was the one that fulfilled the law. And so they would turn to Christ. And then after Paul would leave, you'd get these subtle teachers coming in and saying, well, we know what Paul said, but if you read this verse over here, and they'd go to some place, and they would twist, and they would manipulate the scriptures to fit their, their narratives or their, their way of thinking. And Paul would constantly have to send letters back to these churches saying, hey, don't be deceived. Don't be blown about by every wind of doctrine. Don't listen to these guys. Listen to God. So the first thing we have is an issue of bondage, our issue with our sin, that constant desire in our flesh to turn away from God, to, to, to walk away, to give it all up. I remember after I got saved, I can take you to a time or two, one in particular, where I, I looked up, at, I, I went up to my room, I bowed my head, and I prayed, and I, and I told God, I said, I'm done with it all. I was so mad. So mad, just angry at the sin and the problems that other people were facing. As Christians, our lives, how we run our race, how we perform, how we stand fast in the liberty that Christ has given us in our freedom uh, from sin is monumental. Oftentimes we stop and we say, it doesn't matter how I live. I'm not the pastor. I'm not a deacon. I'm not in a place of authority. I'm not a Sunday school teacher. I can just live how I want. It doesn't matter. And because of somebody else, I was so angry at God. So angry at God. I said, I'm done. I'm not gonna, I know you've called me to preach. I know you've called me to do this. But God, I, it's not worth it. It took me years to get over that. We're called to live free. We're called to live free from that sin nature, to separate ourselves from it. But we see in, that, in those first nine verses, there was a, there was a cancellation of liberty where they were, they were dealing with this idea that uh, the Judaizers were coming into the church and saying, you have to live under the whole law. You got you to gotta follow every single rule. If you're not circumcised, you got to get circumcised. And they dealt with all these issues. And Paul's saying, whoa, there's liberty that Christ gives. The law was our schoolmaster. It kept us in line. It was showing us our need for Christ. And it's impossible for us to keep the whole thing. Not saying that we shouldn't uh, try to be good people or we shouldn't try to uh, apply some of those things. But it was impossible for us to do the whole thing, for us to follow the whole law. If we, read, if we wrote it all out, we'd be, well, I guess I'm, I'm toast. I'm done. There's no hope for me. And Paul would have to come back and say, you can't, you can't cancel out your liberty. You can't cancel out the grace that God has given you. You can't cancel out your forgiveness because you can't keep the law. You, gotta, you either have to live holy by the law or understand that it's all grace of God and nothing else. And so they would deal with that, that cancellation of liberty and he would call out evildoers. 
and he would caution them towards false teachers, and he would caution uh, that in that last verse, he says, a little leaven, leaven at the whole lump. If you let just a little sin, if you let just a little false teaching in, if you let just small amounts in, it will grow. It will gain and compound and grow into a huge monster of evil and wickedness in your life. That's why I wrote in Romans that we should see sin exceedingly sinful. That it should be black as night and that to follow after God should be white as daylight, so to say, and that we should we should. Oppose uh, one that we should adhere to God. As Christians, oftentimes we lay down a line in the sand and we say, this is good, that's bad, and then we do this. All right. Still being a good Christian. Oh, oh. Well, that wasn't so bad. Well, that's not so bad. <laughs> and we take a walk. Off the deep end many times, and we, we just take a moonlight stroll, so to say, in, in our sins and our wickedness, and we say, and then we say, oh, I'll just get right on Sunday. Ah, it's not that bad. When I'm preaching this, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to myself a lot of times. I get upset, I get frustrated, I, you know, and I ah, I'll just get it right next time. I'll be sitting in church, and God starts pulling the strings at my heart, saying, hey, you got to get this right. And I, ah. Next time. There was a, a family that came from Africa. They were visiting. And they came to the United States. And while they were in the United States, they went to visit a zoo. And they were looking at all the, all the uh, uh, enclosures and stuff. And they came to the lions. Now, the area that they lived, they saw lions. They'd seen them many times. And the young boy looked at his father and he said, Dad, I don't understand. Why do these lions look so much different? And the father explained. He said, well, you see, this lion here, he has everything he could ever want. He's fed daily. He's taken care of. There's doctors that look out, of him, out for him. They take care of him. They, they, they watch out for him. If he gets sick, they, you know, everything. That lion never will have want in his life. And then he looked at his son and he said, but that lion is the slave. That lion will never get to go out and experience what it is to truly be a lion. They, don't, they won't bring a live animal into its enclosure and let him chase it around like a lion should. That lion has everything he wants, but he's a slave. The lion that we see back home is free to do whatever he wants. And oftentimes, and I, I stop and I think about that, we have freedom and, and Christ has given us liberty and we're not constrained by the law and, and we, we, we stray and we wander and we let our liberty oftentimes, and I'm getting into my second point, but don't get ahead of me, we let our liberty be an excuse for our occasion to go into the flesh. We let our liberty be the excuse for why we want to walk away from God at times. But when we live in the safety that God has provided, our roles are flipped. God doesn't keep us in a small cage. He gives us everything we could ask for. We have just as much freedom as the lion 
that would be outside living in its own, but we have the protection that God brings, and we have, we have a family, a church family, and, and that, that looks out for us, and we can take our, our heartaches and our woes, and we can bring them to the throne of grace, and we can lay them at God's feet, and the liberty that we have, though we're, we're protected and we're purchased, and God owns us as Christians, we're protected and we're guided, and we have total freedom to live as a Christian. And oftentimes we look at rules and say, well, rules don't provide freedom. No, structure does. Structure provides so much freedom. And God has given us more than we can can even think about. As Christians, we're we're that second lion, the one in the cage. But it's not a cage. We're protected by God's grace. We're protected by the liberty, by salvation, through what God has done for us. We're protected and cared for. So there's the issue of bondage. And that issue of bondage comes with that struggle to live in the flesh, to to err from God, to wander. The second, we see instinctive behavior. Going along with that same idea of sin, we're going to go to verse 10. Verse 10. Though I have confidence in you through the Lord that ye will have no otherwise minded, but he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment whosoever he be. And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. I would they were even cut off which trouble you. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty, only use not your Uh, Liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Verse 15. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. We see in this, there's, there's an instinctive behavior, and we have to fight that natural man, that, that sinful nature that abides in us from the day that we were born. You stop and think about it. What is one of the first words a kid learns? No. Catherine's big on no. My little, my little sweet little 18-month-old, she's got no down pat. Catherine, go sit on the couch. No. <laughs> Oh, you're so cute. <laughs> she gets away with a lot because she's cute. Is that right? Probably not. But, uh, but we instinctively, we, we, want to, we want to rebel. We want to, to, to buck off the responsibilities to uh, wander from what God has given to us. But Paul says that we need to be bold in our speech. And we, we need to uh, be wary of those false teachers. That we're to love our neighbors. And that we're to struggle, we're to, we're to combat that sin nature that constantly will pull us away from God. It pulls us away into sin and it will lead us into contention with those around us. We're to preach the gospel to every creature. We're to be out there being a witness every single day of our lives. That is what, as a Christian, we're called to do. But we need to maintain a good relationship with the lost. We need to be able to present them with the gospel. If they hate us exceedingly, 
we lose a lot of that, that opportunity. Now, they can hate us because of what we believe. They can, they can, uh, the Bible says that they hated God, and they'll hate us for the same reason. They hated Jesus, and they'll hate us simply because we follow him. But oftentimes, you've, uh, you, you get into a, an argument with a person that has different beliefs than you. And how, how many times has anybody been in a heated argument before? And you leave the argument knowing that nobody's happy? Well, let's just agree to disagree. And... Anybody ever been there? Yeah. Oftentimes when you get into that situation, when you leave and you, you agree to disagree, when you come back, you'll never reach and you'll never actually come to an understanding. You'll never be able to witness to a person like that because you've burnt the bridge that allows you to talk to them. Uh, you, could, you could draw this application to American society so well today that we're, we're to, uh, looking at verse 14, let's go back there. Uh, um, uh, for all the law is fulfilled in that one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. We are so divided in America. We're so set on our way is right, and we, sh we should be founded in the Bible. Okay? I'm not saying, but, but it's, we, we, we've lost the ability to talk and to reason and to, uh, to meet one another. And, we're, and, and I've heard it in churches. Well, those people. And I can hear it in somebody's voice. Those people? You've written them off. You say they're beyond salvation. You say they're beyond God's grace. And you're called to preach to them. You're called to share the gospel with every single person. It doesn't matter what political party you affiliate with. And you can look at the other side and say, they're evil. Those people are wicked. That doesn't matter. God says that we're to love them. We're to love our neighbor as ourselves that we should desire to seek them to know that they are going to heaven someday. Many, many years ago, uh, how, many, how many are familiar with the, uh, the uh, Penn and Teller? They had a show in Las Vegas, I believe, for a long time, magic show. I get them mixed up. Which one's the tall one? Penn. Penn. Okay. I'm, I don't follow them that much. Uh, but Penn, they were doing a show in Las Vegas, and a, a Christian man, I don't know what denomination or stripe or whatever, however you want to say it, I don't know, but you can actually find this video. It's a little harder to find nowadays, but this Christian man went up to Penn, who is a devout atheist. He doesn't believe in God. He doesn't believe in any of that. He, he thinks, uh, because you're here in, in church on Sunday, he thinks you're a quack. He thinks you're crazy. That's what he said. Um, who, his grandma, by the way, was a, a devout Christian. But that's another story for another time. But this, this Christian went up to him afterwards and he said, I, I watched your show. You're good at what you do. It's, you did an amazing job. I'm still, I don't understand how you do half that stuff. He said, but uh, God put it on my heart that I should share the gospel with you. And he handed him a John and Romans. And on the back was the plan of salvation. And I've watched the video. Penn goes back to his room that night and read through the whole 
faith. Now, to his testimony, he never got saved. But in tears, he recorded himself in a video, bawling his eyes out. And he said, this man cared about me. This man knows I don't believe the way he does. He knows that I don't care. And I have more respect for that man than any other Christian I've ever met in my life because he cared about me and he gave me something. And he said, I wonder how many Christians, if you believe you have the word of God, if you believe that God is true, why don't you share it with people? He said, this man knows that I, won't, that I probably won't take it, that I probably wouldn't even read it. He said, but he gave it to me. He said, as a Christian, if you believe that you have the word of life, and, I, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but if you believe you have the truth that somebody can know God and be uh, saved, to use that word, from their sins and go to heaven, how much do you have to hate a person not to tell them? You say you love somebody. You would do everything in your power to protect them, to show them that they need Christ. If one of my, one of my kids... And I've got a gaggle, and they, they, they get away sometimes. If Sterling or Christine or any of them, if we were in a parking lot and one of them ran in front of a car, I would throw my body in front of that car to push them out of the way. I know in an instant I'd do that. We were going down the front steps this morning, and my, my little girl, Catherine, and I had stuff in my hand, and I didn't get to her in time, but she's fine. She's 18 months old. They're like rubber. They bounce. And, and she bounced all the way down the stairs. <laughs> um, but I tried. I mean, I threw stuff and I was, I almost fell down the stairs and that would have been a lot worse because um, I don't bounce. I kind of just hit the ground and plop. Um, but I mean, I, I went to throw my body into harm's way to protect her. Why? Because I love her. And I'm to love my neighbors as myself. I shouldn't be content just saying, hey, I know I'm saved, I'm good. You guys, I don't, know, I don't care. And yet, and yet we live so many times like that's all that matters. I'm good. You guys work it out yourself. They're not worthy. That doesn't matter. We have, to, we have to combat that every single day. We have to say, no, God loves that person. God cares about that soul. God cares about so-and-so. We should pray for them. We should, we should always be out to, to witness to people. One of the best soul winners I knew lived down in Arizona. His name was uh, Horst. Not a perfect man. He, he, he has issues, but man, that guy, every time we'd stop at a McDonald's, we'd stop. Any, if we stopped and he saw a person, that person was getting a gospel track, whether they wanted it or not. I remember watching him chase a guy down the road. Okay, 78 at the time. And he, he pulls up, he... It was kind of one of those deals. I think we stopped to get gas. I, I don't recall where we had stopped, but he, he saw this guy all across the way. He gave him a track, and he saw this guy, and he gave him a track, and then he locked eyes with this guy about 10 feet away from him. 
And the guy did this, did this, and kind of, <laughs> and horse reaches in his pocket and says, hey, you, come back here. <laughs> Tracked him down. Said, I just want to say hi, and I wanted to share with you the, the greatest message ever told. And he handed him a track and said, you have a wonderful day, sir. And he walked away. And I, meanwhile, I think I was over pumping gas going, whoa. You missed one over there, Horace. Go get him. <laughs> and I'm going, I don't have any tracks. Youth pastor at the time. I struggle. It's hard. We look at it and say, people are going to think I'm weird. Yeah. If you're saved, we're called to be a peculiar people. You're supposed to be strange anyways. Let's move on. Just be weird. Be a weird Christian. There's, there's the joke about the one Christian. Say, you know, they, they, when they pray, they pray for a long time. Because there's so much. To, if you were to stop and pray and thank God for everything in your life, you'd die of old age. There's so much to thank God for. But, you know, that's the person you go to the restaurant with. And the food gets to the table, and they, they start praying, and they pray, and they pray, and they pray, and they pray. And they ordered, you know, um, like a fruit cup, fresh fruit. By the time he's done praying, they've got trail mix. <laughs> we should be like that. I remember hearing stories of preachers who would, who would get into a, who would get into a, I'm, 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 Sidetracking myself, but this is a good story. <laughs> they would. They, there was this evangelist. I can't think of his name right now, but he would go into. He would. He would meet up with a pastor. They'd go for a meeting. They'd go out to lunch Sunday morning, or not Sunday, Sunday afternoon after church. And he would. This 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 guy would get his food wherever they were at. They would. This particular place. It was like a like a cafeteria style thing. Buffet. Yeah, a buffet. So he had gotten all his food, and then he ran. Like, got ahead of the pastor, bob and weaved all the way to the other end of the, the restaurant. And this pastor, is, he's, you know, he's taking his time. There he hears, hey! Says his name. Looks over, and there's that evangelist. He goes, I got a question for you. Yeah? He goes, are you saved? Yeah? Are you born again saved? Yeah, <laughs> and so then he goes, you want to tell everybody about it? He kind of yells back, well, you're loud enough. Why don't you tell everybody about it? And in, the, in this restaurant, this guy says, okay, we're going to talk about it. And he opened up his Bible right there, laid it on the table, and he preached to the whole restaurant. And he said there was like people putting down their silverware and like straightening themselves up like, oh, I guess it's time for church. Okay. I think if we tried that nowadays, you'd probably be arrested and given one of those nice, comfy white jackets that you hug yourself. And nice room. And we should be weird Christians sometimes. Anyhow. All right, so there's, there's an instinctive behavior, and that instinct comes from our sin nature, and it's to turn away from God, and it's to wander our own way, and it's to just uh, to backbite and to to cause contention, to, to be at odds with one another. And Christ says we ought not be like that. We should live in unity and we should dwell uh, well with one another and that we should be a good witness as we go out. So then he ends this chapter, and we're going to break this up into two pieces, and I won't get into 
too great a detail here because there's a lot to cover. But there's the instruction to the believer at the tail end of this chapter. And we're going to pick up in verse 16. We're going to read down to uh, 18. Let me find my spot. This, this I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led by the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envying, murderers, drunkenness, revelings, and such like of which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Down to verse 21, that's where we were. I said 18. Uh, but we see that there's a spiritual battle, and we struggle with that. We've been talking about that this whole time. And how do we combat that? It just comes down to we need to make it a conscious effort to walk in the Spirit, to deny our flesh. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the one who died and gave himself for me. Excuse me. Um, we live because Christ died for us. And we're to avoid those works of the flesh. We're to avoid living for ourselves, but rather living for Christ. If we read on, we're to avoid the works of the sin nature. We're to uh, surrender to spiritual works. Let's pick up in verse 22. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. Pastor likes to say, these are the fruits of the Spirit. And I, the, many, uh, as we yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit, those should become so much more evident. But the problem with it is, every saved, born-again Christian we know that at the moment of salvation, the Holy Spirit of God comes and lives inside of us and dwells us, and those fruits should be evident from the moment you get saved throughout your life because they are the fruits of the Spirit. And as a saved person, God's Spirit lives within us. And the fruits of the Spirit, you look at the, you compare the two lists, very different. You shouldn't have, well, I've got most of them, but I kind of, I kind of add this, this work of the flesh and stuff like that. But this work of the Spirit combats that, so we're all good. It doesn't work that way. We shouldn't be content to live in the flesh. We should surrender to the Spirit and its works and let Christ have the greatest opportunity to use our lives for His honor and glory. Let's just quick, let's look at that. Let's look at this list. Love, first one. I'm to love my neighbor as myself. I'm to love every person. And that is not, uh, you can look into the Bible, it's not the phileo love. It's not, it's not um, all the different, there's uh, five different words for love in the Greek. No, this is talking about agape love. I should love my neighbor as myself. I should, ch I should cherish them. I should care for them. I should be willing to lay down my life for a person I don't even know so that they could know Christ. That type of love. 
never-ending, endearing, that gives and gives and gives and never expects anything in return. That's the type of love that we're to be filled with. Peace or joy. Joy is, is, is happiness with no circumstance. You can be happy and then things go bad and then you're like, I, don't, I ain't happy anymore. But joy is this, it's this happiness, it's this wellspringing of uh, uh, uncontrollable happiness that doesn't matter on circumstance or what's going on around you. Uh, my friend Jonathan Skeen, he's a missionary in Ukraine, he put up the other day uh, that he had his license plate stolen off of his car again. It's like the third or fourth time. And he knows the police won't do anything about it. He says, but you know what? I'm going to smile anyways because the devil hates it. And he says, plus, they left me a ransom note. And on the ransom note, there's a phone number. He says, so I'm going to text them every single day verses on repentance. <laughs> and he does. Joy. Man. Uh, the smallest inconvenience I, I, I got so worked up on, on, I can't remember if it was yesterday or Friday. I went looking for one of my tools. Where I keep my tools is a mess right now. We're still moving around, shuffling things, and I couldn't find one of my tools. And I was just so mad, and I'm throwing boxes. I got, I got mad. Couldn't find a tool? God's blessed me enough. I could go down to the store and buy a new one. But I'm just angry and frustrated. I can't find mine. We get angry and we get frustrated over the smallest things, and it ought not be that way. We should have that joy that just springs up from within us. If I can't find my tool, I'll be like, well, praise the Lord. He probably doesn't want me to use that one. There's somebody at the hardware store I need to go witness to. Hop in my car. Get down there. Hey, you, you need Jesus. Just chase him down with that track. That's what I should have done. But instead, I got all angry and huffy and upset. Moving on. Peace. Peace. And that idea of peace, that's, that's lack of internal turmoil is the idea that he's bringing forth there. It's just calmness, peace, being at ease, that you're not constantly struggling with the idea of being contentious with one another, that you're, you, you can let... Uh, things uh, roll off your back in your life because peace and joy go hand in hand. Every single one of these. If, if you're missing one, you're, the other fruits are out of balance. Long-suffering. This one goes hand in hand with peace. Uh, that peace is an internal peace. The long-suffering is an external Meaning somebody can get mad at me, somebody can berate me, somebody can treat me poorly, but because I have peace within, I can express peace without and I can be long-suffering. I can just, oh, bless your heart. I'll pray for you. <laughs> Moving on. Gentleness. Gentleness. If you have kids, gentleness is hard because they do dumb things and you're going, you need a swat? No. Oh, gentleness. We shouldn't be out for in, in, to, to, to be contentious or to have an angry spirit about us. Goodness. Our actions should be pure. Our actions should be uh, good and holy. Faith. We could move mountains. 
trust in God that's unwavering. There was a little southern church, and they were going through a drought. And it was, it was bad. They needed rain. The farmers were, were struggling. They weren't sure if they would actually have a harvest that year because there was no rain. And the pastor called the church together and says, we're going to have a prayer meeting, and we're going to pray for rain. We're going to pray that God would uh, allow the rain to fall on our town like we've never seen before. We, we need rain so that things can grow. And the church came, and they came into the church, and they were all getting ready to pray. And the pastor said, wait a minute, we've got a huge problem. He says, I, I'm, I'm glad you're all here to pray, and I'm glad you guys uh, have the right spirit about it. He says, but there's one big problem. You all left your umbrellas at home. If you're praying in faith that God's going to answer your prayer and you left your umbrella at home, there's a problem. You should have been expecting that when you walk out those back doors, there's going to be rain. Where are your umbrellas? Faith. Unwavering faith. Faith that God's going to take care of us no matter what. Whatever situation we get in, wherever we find ourselves to be content and just trust God, faith. Meekness. Meekness is not weakness. It's bold. It's, a, it's, it's, it's where boldness and humility meet. A bold person is, will stand up for themselves and, 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 will, and, will, and will talk and talk and talk and make their point known, but they'll trample over somebody. But that meekness, that humility, will help them do it tactfully and be respectful and be a good witness. Meekness is not weakness, but it is boldness. We should be bold. We should be out there. We should be preaching uh, the gospel to every creature. And lastly in this list is temperance, self-control. How many of you struggle with self-control? You don't have to raise your hand. Oh, my wife's got me on a diet. She, she, she just made, rolled her eyes at me. I say she's got me on a diet. I volunteered, but anyhow, she's got me on a diet. Um, and last night, the kids got enchiladas. Oh, I'm smelling these things. Oh, they're so, they smell so good. I got this chicken zucchini enchilada thing. Um, had chicken, zucchini, and some leeks. I'm, I'm, I want that. <laughs> I ate it. It was good. But uh, I walked in the kitchen after the kids had eat, eaten, and they had left some on their plate, and I walked by. Oh, that's so good. I'm sorry, honey. Oh, so good. I was like, that. the zucchini thing was good, but this is so much better. Lacked a little temperance there. That's self-control. I looked at that, and I said, the smell is so good, I can't, I can't. An untemperate Christian is the one that will find that line in the sand and say, that's sinful, this is okay, I'm going to walk right here. And then they say, well, and they take a walk. That's an untemperate Christian. Temperance, that self-control to, to yield and say, God, I'm struggling, I'm having issues, help me. And then let's wrap it all up. Verses 24 to 26. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, 
envying one another. Don't turn back to that old sinful nature, is what Paul's saying. He's don't, don't look at yourself and say, well, that's such a better Christian. If I, if I act more like them, don't envy other people. Oh, they've got money. I wish I was like them. Don't do that. Walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Word of God. Walk in, in the liberty that Christ has provided us and just stay on track. That straight and narrow way that God has laid before us. Don't, don't, don't get as close to the sin line as you can. It's, like, oh, oh, oh. it's not a tightrope. There's lots of room over there. I could be way over here, happy as a clam. Don't compare yourselves. Don't, don't, don't go after that old sin nature. Let that, let that dead man that's been buried in sin, leave it in the grave. Don't be a grave robber and try to pick up your old habits, your old sins, the things that you left behind when God said it needs to stay there. And we're to walk in the Spirit. I don't know if I gave the, the title of this message. I titled it, A War of Liberty. We're to live in the liberty and the freedom that Christ has provided to us through salvation. And we're to strive to be Christ-like in every moment of our day that we should seek after him, that we should live according to his will. And as I was studying this, I, I, made, I, I stopped and I looked and I was watching the news and I get angry when I listen to the news. And I listen to things going on and I get upset. But I stop and I think about many churches I was visiting down in Arizona. And I saw many families that weren't there because sin had gotten into their lives and destroyed them. Some were still there, but the family was broken. Because they wouldn't turn away from that sin. And I just, looking around and I... And I see how wrapped up in the world and how wrapped up in possessions I myself am and other Christians are all around this country. And I, it just came to me, I, missionaries that come in from other, other countries and how they live. And if, we, if you were to take the standard Christian from America, drop them in another country, the other Christians would be ashamed of them. Americans, modern Americans make poor Christians. I'll end with this. There was a man, imagine if you will, a man prays and says, God, I wish you were real in my life. I wish, I wish it was like you were here right beside me, that I, that I would know your presence like never before, that I would feel you working in my life. Imagine with me, if you will, that that was your prayer. And then imagine, if you will, you lift your head, you open up your eyes, and imagine if Christ was standing right there. And he says, okay. I'm going to follow you around every day. What would you change? What, what would you do with God if he was right there? If Jesus Christ was to spend the day with you, what would you do? Well, normally when I relax, I, I go and watch a movie. You want to watch a movie? We could watch it. Oh, I don't think you'd like that one. Well, let's, this is a, uh, maybe not that one. <laughs> I know, I know. We could listen to some music. You run over, you turn on the radio. Well, not that station. Maybe the, no. Oh, this one's Christian. No, okay, not that one. I, I, I know, I know. We can go to a friend's house and you hop in your car and you get in and you're driving down the road and somebody cuts you off. Sorry, Jesus. 
open. You get to, get to your friend's house and they, they're having a party. You say, oh, maybe not here. It's okay, Jesus, we can go somewhere else. We'll go to the mall. Oh, don't look at that store. Oh, don't walk over there. Stop and think about it. If you were to, if you were to have Jesus Christ walk with you, how would you feel? Your liberty would feel awfully strained because you're not walking in it. I don't walk in it the way I should. It's, oh. Say, God, I know, I know what we could do. We can go. I like woodworking. And then I get all mad that I can't find my tools. Ah! Sorry, Jesus. But he's with us every moment of every day. That Holy Spirit lives inside of us. He doesn't have to physically be here but he knows. What kind of Christian are you? How's your liberty? Are you living for Christ and the liberty that he's provided or are you going back to that bondage of sin and cuddling up to it and saying, oh, that bondage is so nice. Let's pray. Our gracious Lord and Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for just what you put on my heart and how you've spoken to me. Lord, I know I fall short so many times. I know I struggle. Lord, but you've provided freedom and, 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 and ease. And Lord, you've given us a direction, a commandment, a, a commission to go, to preach, to be a witness, light and salt in this present world of darkness. And Lord, you, you desire for us to seek your face in order to walk closely with you. And I pray that that would be the liberty that we would set our hearts upon, that we would seek you diligently, that we would pray for our country, that we would pray for our neighbors, that we would uh, repent of our sin and ask you to heal this land. Lord, thank you so much for all that you do. I pray that you bless this invitation, Lord, and I pray that you'd be with the people here, that they would take this to heart and that they would uh, think and meditate in what you have them to do as Christians. And if there's anyone here that doesn't know you as their Savior, may today be their day of salvation, Lord. We love you. We praise you for all that you do. Amen.